This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Atomic Blonde. I chose this life, and someday it's going to get me killed. Not today. Lorraine Broughton, expert in intelligence collection and hand-to-hand combat. Agent Gascoigne was killed last night. Did you know him? Enough to say hello. He had an atomic bomb of information. Find out who's hunting our operatives and trust no one. Person. Your content. Welcome to Berlin. I'm David. Don't shoot. I've, I've got your shoe. That was me from the moment my feet touched the ground. This was never part of the plan. It was part of mine. I've lost the target. What do you know about this woman who's been following me? You look like you need saving. The clock is ticking, and everyone you get close to ends up dead. Someone set me up. Someone from the inside. Now, this only ends one way. A bullet. Ready for action. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Atomic Blonde, and the story is as follows. Agent Lorraine Broughton, who's played by Charlize Theron, is equal parts spycraft, sensuality, and savagery, willing to deploy any of her skills to stay alive on an impossible mission. Sent alone into Berlin to retrieve a priceless dossier from within the de-established city, she partners with embedded station chief David Percival, played by James McAvoy, to navigate her way through a deadly game of spies. The film is starring Charlize Theron, James McAvoy, John Goodman. It is directed by David Leach and written by Kurt Johnson. Joining me for this review, I have Jorge from thesplashreport.com. Hi, everybody. How's it going? So, Jorge, the reason why I wanted to take you onto this episode is because I actually saw the film with you. That's right. That's right. And... To be fair and totally honest, I'm having a hard time articulating my thoughts about this film, quite frankly, because 
I'm not really entirely sure I know exactly what went on in this movie's plot. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit, you know, um, without giving away too much, I mean, it's based on a book and it has the parallel structure where she's in a room kind of telling the story of what happened and then you see the story of what happened and the story of what happened is a very intricate spy, you know, kind of James Le Carre style, uh, everyone betrays everybody, you can't trust anybody kind of story. So it, it's a little, you know, you have to pay attention and uh, try to keep everything straight because it is certainly intricate, let's say. Yeah, yeah. There's double crossings, triple car- crossings, quadruple crossings, and mm-hmm. yep. the twists and turns that unravel themselves by the point when the film gets to like its ending. I, I was completely like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, <laughs> I-, I-, I just... At a certain point, I just drew my hands up because I couldn't, I could not handle how overly convoluted this story was, and needlessly too, might I add. It kind of fuels together um, ultimately what my thoughts are on the film, and that is that I think this film is way too in love with itself. Yeah, I mean, and just to finish up a little bit on the convolutedness, it's not just that it's convoluted. I mean, you can, you know, let's say that you know if you just sit there and write everything down, you follow it. But in fact, and again. I'm not trying to give anything away, but if you actually look at it, there's a couple of parts that are just not logically correct. Um, if you, when you're watching kind of all the reveals at the end and the way that we, that they went down in time, uh, it's it, it's actually, you know, she's she's doing things that she would not be doing if she knew certain things that she claims to know, things like that. It's it's actually illogical, which is why you probably felt like you're confused because your brain is telling you like this cannot possibly be happening. Right. No, that's exactly the way it was going down. I just like had this dumbfounded look on my face of like, what? <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Well, let's say some nice things about the movie. You know, it's it's yeah, st- it's very stylish, and Charlize Theron is great. I'm sure we'll get to that. Oh yeah, I mean, in terms of the stylish, I-, I don't know about you, but I was very much reminded of Suicide Squad recently, for some yeah, reason. It has that style, you know, of that. Um some sort of color that transcends the whole picture. Um, yeah, the neon colors uh, definitely yeah. pop out in a very big way against like a very drab, uh, desaturated uh, European, you know, uh, backdrop. Mm-hmm. And the music choices also reminded me of Suicide Squad in yeah. that they were very obvious, very pronounced. They drew attention to themselves. And I can't help but feel like they were inserted as a means to make up for the plot's convoluted shortcomings. Yeah. As a, you know, so that sixteen-year-old, seventeen-year-old uh, boys and girls that go see this movie, you know, and they can't really follow the plot, they're still somewhat interested in what's going on because of the mayhem, violence, and oh, look at that pop eighty song. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and I mean, you can accuse a lot of movies of doing that, right? Like, I think Baby Driver fairly kind of does that a little bit, but just to more But Baby effect. Driver's trying to do it as a stylistic choice in terms yeah. of its editing and its sound, and that's really like a, a you know, a, a filmmaker's exercise. This, this just seems like, you know, somebody who... I don't know, somebody who, like, just got out of college and, you know, is still, like, into that frat boy, oh, this is what makes a cool movie, you know, and right. throws all these ideas together, and this is what you get. Right, and it's and speaking of the things, you know, it also reminds me a little bit of the Neon Demon. In fact, from from last year, the neon colors and mm. and the Berlin scenes have a little bit of um, the Steven Spielberg movie uh, with Mark Rylance, you know, Bridge of Spies. It has that that Cold War kind of feel to it a little bit. So it has all of those elements. It clearly, you know, he's clearly a student of film. But I agree with you that some of it is just 
he's just doing it because he can, because he wants to. There's no actual purpose to it. And, and right. So many of those, the loud banging tunes are in that category. Yeah. You know, before you were mentioning, too, about Charlize in this movie. My God. Holy God. She's amazing. I mean, you know, she really steals the movie. And if it were, I mean, if it weren't for her, it would not be... Uh, it, I would even say, uh, you know, skip it altogether. But, you know, if you're a fan of hers, you're, you'll certainly have a good time. I mean, she's, you know, she's um, she's really proven that she's like, she has her chops at, at, in terms of like a kind of badass girl. Sorry, I'm not supposed to swear. But, you know, Mad Max, uh, all sorts of movies like that where she's getting very physical and she's good at it. You know, she's good at it and she walks into the room and you just kind of want to stare at her and she has this little furtive look about her and her pursed lips and and then all of a sudden she gets really physical so it's it's a good contrast right between her like angelic uh looks and and her more uh diabolic moves let's say first of all you can fucking swear on my podcast i will allow okay, it good. um this second of all this is a very interesting performance because on one level i could see how people would say that this is a great performance in terms of the dramatics and on another end, it's a great performance because of the physicality. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you two questions. First question, where does it rank within Charlize Theron's um, filmography as far as her catalog of performances is concerned? And two, who would win in a fight, John Wick or Lorraine? Oh, my God. I'm sorry. No question. I think Lorraine would win. That's an easy one. She's just, um, you know, she, she, I think, and I did see the last one. I think he has more of a reliance on the gun than she does. So I guess if he got yeah. to the gun first, but she's really, really physical uh, in the film. And um, I think she'd win. Yeah. You know, talking about that physicality before you answered, you have a question too. One thing I really liked about this is that she wasn't necessarily kicking men's ass based on strength alone. She was using the environment around her, right. her wits and anything that she just she could get her hands on. And that made the fights seem more plausible. And she gets her ass kicked a lot in this right. movie, too. Right. I mean, it was brutal at times to watch. So I, I definitely felt there was more of a plausible, realistic sense of the fighting in this. Um, with that said, though, I think John Wick maybe has better choreography simply because um, there were times when watching this where I felt like the stuntmen who were getting uh, beat up by Charlize, I felt like they were waiting to get hit. Yeah. And it didn't seem... Uh, that could also be just due to uh, camera placement. You know, like it, you know, and usually a lot of times in fight scenes you might have uh, a little bit of shaky handheld cam to disguise... Um, some of the choreographed uh, parts of the fight sequence, you know, because otherwise right. as an audience member, you can tell a lot of times when somebody just got hit in the face and then she's hitting somebody else and that guy that just got hit in the face is kind of waiting his turn to rush in on his cue. Right, fair enough, fair enough, yeah. You know, it's a very good observation though about how she uses the environment and the, and the like the objects around her. Like there's a scene that I think people have seen in the trailer with like a hose um, mm -hmm. that's, or her that, shoe. Yeah, and her shoe, right, exactly. No, those are, those are pretty well done. And, you know, she's, she's so beautiful, and they dress her up, um, you know, to look great, and then they beat, you know, the shit out of her. Um, and it's, it, but she's, like, she's into it, you know. She's, she's obviously kind of enjoying herself. Um, there's a scene when she's in the, in the you know, quote-unquote interrogation room where she's talking about, like, how horrible that whole experience was for her, and she just really conveys the sense of like you fuckers uh, screwed me over. Um, 
and she's all bruised up and everything, and, and, and it's, it's, it works, it's effective. Yeah. So, in terms of where it ranks, I mean, it's pretty up there, you know, like, she's been on a lot, obviously, and of course, Monster is Monster, um, you know, but, I mean, North Country, I guess, is one of her other, you know, signature performances. Um, I, love, I loved her in Young Adult, I know that movie was very controversial, some people oh yeah, like she's great in that. Um, but you know, I mean, Mad Max, I would say. But like, I mean, I would put this one maybe in the top five. Maybe. I mean, am I missing something? You know. No, I, I think with the performances that you actually just named right there, those five, I think it. I think it belongs in there too. I think that she is such a commanding presence in this movie, and she truly gives it her all. And that is evident when you watch it on screen. That yeah. she is just. Man, I hope she got paid a lot for this movie because she yeah, just looks like she got her ass whooped. Um, there's a, I mean, there's a movie, uh, you might remember it, that I really enjoyed that, you know, was even like, it was a Paul Haggis movie like a couple years after Crash called In the Valley of the Law. That I really yes, liked. with Tom Lee Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was pretty good in that one. You know, it's a smaller smaller film, um, a little more of an, uh, an emotional role, I guess, in, in some ways. Sure, sure. But a lot of the stuff that she's been in... Um, you know, she's been in a lot of kind of like action movie, right? Wasn't she in the Italian job and now she's in the Fast and the Furious? Mm-hmm. She was good in that one, by the way. I mean, she was, I like her as a villain. I certainly do. I, I love her as that campy, uh, hamming it up villain in uh, yeah. Fate of the Furious. I, I yeah. thought she was phenomenal in that. Yeah. And in a way, like this character, you know, like this character is obviously the good, you know, the good guy, the good girl. Uh, you know, but she has villain-like qualities in the sense that, like, you know, she's just, like, kicking everybody's ass like everyone else is. She just happens to be on our side. Yeah, no, I definitely hear you on that one for sure. Um, we we have to bring it up. It has to be mentioned. The stairway fight sequence in this film. Oh, yeah. Already pretty much entered into, like, legendary status as far as modern-day fight sequences are concerned. Um it's getting like the same amount of buzz as kind of like this is the scene that makes the movie as uh, let me think of a good example the <laughs> the bathroom sequence in Eastern Promises let's say oh my god holy <laughs> crap that one's memorable it's just that one scene in a movie that really 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 just stands out from the rest and it's yeah. so it, it's like it's own short film in, in a way yeah uh, as part of the as part of the movie so like the way uh David uh, Leach, like, I don't know how you say his last name, but uh, co-director on the first John Wick film, he'll be doing Deadpool 2 next. Mm-hmm, right. yep. He chooses to try to give us the illusion that he's doing this in a one-er. Uh, there are hidden edits in there, and if you look closely, you could definitely spot them. But man, oh man, you know, I, I'm telling you, lately it just seems like whenever you're making an action film, if you have a oneer, that's like straight to a critic's heart. <laughs> you know, yeah. critics like see a oneer and they're just like over the moon about it. And I'm wondering if it's going to start to become like an overused cliche. But man, it it's, probably won't be because they're just so hard to pull off and they keep on trying to do different things in these movies where they're trying to top the last uh, oneer that they saw. And man, this is like one of the most brutal and vicious and chaotic oneers I, I think I've ever seen. No, I'm. It's it's. I mean, I remember vividly sitting there and being like, "Oh my god, what's happening here?" And like, it just kept going and going and going. It was it's pretty good. I mean, if you're if you're into that, you know. And and by the way, let's say this. I mean, a lot of people are really into the John Wick movies, and if you're into that movie, uh, I think you'll be into this one. You know, if if you just kind of um, can put put up with the you know convoluted plot issues, but. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's certainly better than anything in that one. So uh, people that are into those kind of action sequences are going to be thrilled. Yeah, definitely. And it's also funny too. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and it's either the John Wick style. It's kind of like you know. I think that you know what it's going to be like, kind of in the very first opening scene, where like there's a big physical encounter uh, between a car and a human being, and what and when you see it, you're like, oh, okay, this is what it's going to be like, you know. Um, and uh, it's it's funny. I mean, it's it's meant it's it's not meant to be funny specifically, but it's it it evokes this kind of natural reaction of like gasp horror and the way the movie treats it, it elicits some sort of like internal chuckle, I guess, if if that's a good way to describe it. Oh yeah, I mean, like that 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 sequence is so exhausting uh, for both Charlize and whoever it is she ends up fighting for a little bit at the long stretch there <laughs> towards the end. That when they're like panting and they're getting ready to go at it again, I mean, we as an audience were just like. Whew, oh man, like this is this is still going, you know. But it was good though. I mean, if the whole movie was just that, um, I, I actually would probably would have liked the movie a lot more. <laughs> but yeah, the action set pieces are kind of spread out, and they're very few and far in between. Um, unfortunately, I think the trailers have done a good job of highlighting those aspects of the film and make you think that it, it's going to have a frantic pace. But man, the pacing in this movie, I think, is all over the map, and I think it just drags for long, long stretches at a time. Usually, yeah. My my issue with that is I was just not I was not sure why this or that character was even in this film. You know, like what's what's the purpose of this person? What's the purpose of that person? Then you realize basically they have no purpose. It's all just kind of like this swirling semi plot, and it's it's kind of a showcase for her. Um, but, but it's frustrating because you, you know. This person comes back in, and there's there are usually you know if it's Shane McAvoy, he's scowling, and it's like okay, enough with the scowl. And if it's um, Sofia Butella, you know she's pouting, and it's like okay, enough with the pouting. It's it's just like over and over again these characters come. In. And if it's you know John Goodman, and what is it Toby Jones, I guess is the other one. Uh, you know they're yeah. like sitting there like pounding the table, and it gets kind of repetitive. She's the only one that actually exhibits range and you know volatility in her. Um, even though, you know, it's, you know, three or four tones, but she kind of moves around between them. Um, so yeah, it's frustrating. You know, why, why are these people in this movie? What is their, what is their point? Yeah, no, I, I feel you on that. I mean, I'll admit James McAvoy, I think is having a pretty solid year overall. And this isn't the worst performance I've ever seen him give or anything like that. You know, he's not bad in the film. It's just that I don't think the script gives him enough to make yeah. that character fully fleshed out yeah there is a messy fight sequence he has like towards the end of the film involving a knife where i actually thought that he looked like from a physicality standpoint he was having a tremendous amount of fun with the role um but yeah i, I just i would just felt like completely underwhelmed by every single character that was not charlie's right and i mean well james mcavoy's a fantastic actor you're talking about split i suppose i mean he's he's great and um you know john goodman's great every time he shows up in one of those oh movies, yeah you know? they win best picture somehow it's like they're all great <laughs> but it's just you're completely correct uh the 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 script it's the script yeah um, it's the the big the big missing link in this whole thing and it really shows you how you know it's a central piece of making a movie as obvious as that sounds it just kind of this everything else kind of like can fall apart um i, I hope we're not sounding too down on it but it is really kind of like you really want to maybe it's also it also has to do with expectations i mean when you see such well choreographed scenes such well put together cinematography and sound and you know setting aside the issue with the choice of the, the songs and and not to speak of charlie's you're expecting a little bit more i think i think the movie can be its own worst enemy in a sense when it's you know there's so many bells and whistles that at the end of it you're like okay what what did i just hear from all those bells and whistles and you're like uh, nothing 
You know, it's funny. You just mentioned the cinematography for a second here. And that was another thing, too, where I actually liked the cinematography in this movie. I thought that there were some very creative um, uses of lighting and color that uh, that just really gave this film a very distinct look to it that I, uh, that I very much appreciated at times. But then there would be something really bizarre and weird, like the camera is horizontal and it yes. then tilts to like a vertical uh, angle. And I'm just like, why? I, oh my God, that annoyed me so much. You, yeah, finish. that exact that actually, shot, right? Yeah. There yeah. was a couple, there's a couple. And I was like, is the point to make me dizzy? Because I already am a little bit sick to my stomach from all this like blood everywhere. Um, it, it, you know, this like the shot from above and then the 360. That I was like, what, what? I, I actually put that in my review. I was very annoyed by that. That's another example of what you were saying earlier of just like, you know, we're doing it because we can. And it's like, look, we're moving the camera around. Yeah, exactly. And then, like I said, that's, that just comes back to my original thoughts about how, like, I feel like this film is just way too in love with, love with itself of, oh, look what we could do, like you said, so. Yeah, it's, I think, I, I mean, what I, what I ascribe this kind of to is, like, filmmakers that are still kind of finding their style and their place, because there's some good things about the cinematography, not just the lighting, but, like, the way that, I mean, we talked about this a minute ago, the way that they shoot the fighting scenes, I mean, they, they he zooms in on her and then zooms out when, like, the body's coming, you know, as you said, like, they, I thought that the cinematography, for example, and I think he did John Wick as well. Mm-hmm. Um, those, I, I, I like the fight sequence cinematography. So he, he, he's excited. He's in love with himself. He's excited. Uh, you know, he's a good filmmaker. He likes what he's doing, and he kind of gets carried away a little bit. He's doing it in the fight sequences, and then he kind of feels the need to carry it over into the other sequences. And you're like, uh, no, stop. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you on that for sure. Let's talk about final thoughts. Great out of 10. Any Oscar potential. Take it away. Final thoughts. A good movie. Great movie if you're a Charlize Theron fan. You know, definitely watch it. Um, don't expect too much out of it other than kind of some pulpy entertainment. I would give it a 6 out of 10. And Oscar potentials, I would be shocked. I don't, I don't see any nominations, to be honest. In the, I mean, there could be, I suppose, maybe some sound nominations, but... I think that that field's going to be crowded. Uh, there's a lot of action movies this year, so yeah, uh, I, I would be shocked if there's anything in there. That's fair. Um, I, I truthfully believe that this is the kind of film that Quentin Tarantino would probably be like, you know, you got to go see this movie. Charlize is amazing in it. Like, you know, he he would just be so about this. Um, from a stylistic standpoint, uh, from the fact that, yes, if you are a Charlize Theron fan, uh, you should definitely check this one out because she is worth the price of admission alone. The film screenplay is its downfall 100% in that it doesn't fully flesh out all of the other characters. It's convoluted too much at certain times. I also feel, too, that... Maybe if you take a look at it from another standpoint and you say to yourself, all right, well, the screenplay isn't convoluted. Well, then director David Leach just didn't do a good job of conveying uh, the finer points of that screenplay then as a director and instead focused too much on other things to give the film a cool and slick look and really try to disguise the screenplay shortcomings with these fight sequences, the, the music and so on and so forth. So... I definitely think it's a film that probably, um, maybe a lot, I don't know, maybe in post they you know tried their best, but this is the finished product and this is what it is. It's not something that I will be revisiting anytime soon, and it's not also something that I full-heartedly recommend. However, 
if you're looking for an action film to go see in theaters right now and you've seen everything else, including Wonder Woman for like the 14th time, <laughs> then by all means, uh, check out Atomic Blonde, especially if you're a Charlize Theron fan. I give this film a 5 out of 10. And as far as any Oscar potential is concerned, yeah, nah, nah. No way. Uh, sound categories, you never know with those categories. It's true. Something could always pop in or or, or another. But, yeah, no there's, no, there's nothing here. If this film was a lot better and I was giving it like an 8 or a 9 out of 10, you know, maybe I'd be calling for some sort of a production design or something to do with the sound or something along those lines. But as it is and as it stands, absolutely not. Charlize Theron will probably get a, um, what is it, a Critics' Choice nomination for Best Actress in an Action Movie, <laughs> right. right? A Golden Globe Comedy nomination, probably. <laughs> but, you know, I, yeah, this film is not an awards player whatsoever. So, But, hey, you know what, it's, it's something to go see right now if this is your kind of thing. Okay, Jorge, where can they find you on the Internet? Uh, well, as you said at the beginning, I'm critic for thesplashreport.com. My Twitter is at jdonburnham. Um, that's B-I-R-N-A-M. And I'm uh, also on Instagram at awards predicts with an X at the end. Damn, you were able to snag that handle? Nice. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty impressive, actually, in and yeah. of itself. <laughs> most people haven't, like, most people that are, that are doing awards things aren't really on Instagram, which I find interesting. I mean, it's a harder medium, but uh, I enjoy it because you kind of just, like, it's a short, short little nugget. Yeah, I'm, uh, it's funny you say that. Uh, I'm actually thinking about expanding my Instagram uh, postings a little bit more, too, because normally it's just, like, postings of stuff that gets put on the site. But, yeah, yeah, I, I, you're right. It's definitely an unexplored medium. So all you aspiring bloggers out there, listen to what we're saying. We're giving you tips. <laughs> <laughs> in, in any event, though, um, I'm, I'm could be found on all the social media networks at Next Best Picture. Uh, you've been listening to our review of Atomic Blonde here on the Next Best Picture podcast, and you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, Player FM, and CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. We would certainly appreciate that, and we will see you all next time. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.